are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. When we look at chapter 6 in the book of Luke, we enter to the subject of the Sabbath. Justin gave us a little bit of background on the Sabbath, but those of us in today's world, we, we have a hard time understanding this. Uh, Sabbath, we don't even use that word, that term anymore. But the Sabbath was established as a divinely prescribed day of rest from harvesting manna when the children of Israel had left Egypt when they were in the wilderness. You know, God provided manna for them on a daily basis and they had to go out and gather it. He declared they need to rest on that seventh day. And by Exodus 31, we see that the Sabbath was a described part of the Mosaic Covenant. It was part of the law. Well, there were 400 years of silence, as we've talked about before, between the Old and New Testaments, from the time the prophet at last spoke to the people until Jesus came. 400 years. And so over a 400-year period of time, a lot of interpretations had taken place concerning the old law, concerning the Sabbath in particular. They had come up with 39 different and added laws to the Sabbath covenant. So the religious experts, those scholars who consider themselves to be well-versed in the law, decided that as time went on, they need to be more. There need to be more. Need to be more. Can you imagine 39 different rules? What happens on a day of worship? Or what you can't do? So when we get to chapter 6, verse 1, we see the stages set for how Jesus was going to deal with this mentality. Now, those of us who are baby boomers can relate to some things. Consider this. When we were growing up, you had if you didn't wear your so-called Sunday clothes to church, which meant dress pants, button-down shirt, and a tie, and of course, dress shoes. If you didn't have those on, you weren't properly attired to go to church. Anybody can relate to that? And that Sunday was the only time you'd wear those clothes unless you were dragged to a wedding or something like that. So I had the Sunday clothes and my mom would have my shirt ironed and have the pants ready and and all those things. And I was expected to dress that way. Why? Because somewhere down the line somebody said, you need to have your Sunday best on. You can't worship God without having your Sunday best. Now on the other hand, I don't believe we need to come in to God's time of worship and dress like we don't care. But it's not the dress. It's not the formality. The formalities like that were an example of what had happened to the Sabbath. So many different things. So look at verse 1. On Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples broke off heads of grain and rubbed off husk in their hands and ate the grain. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you keeping the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? You may ask, why are we talking about the Sabbath? That's something we don't need to concern ourselves about. Well, 
It does. Because this is a much deeper, deeper subject than talking about the rules of a Sabbath. It's talking about matter of the heart. Well, in this, these first two verses, we see a situation as Jesus was walking with his disciples and they were hungry, they went out into the field and took some grain. Well, we'll find out in just a moment that was permissible. It was something that was allowed that time. But I have a bigger question. What were the Pharisees doing there? Why were they there? Have you thought about it? If you're reading this passage, we see that they're the ones that are popping up and questioning, but why were they even following Jesus? They had to be there. It's an open field. They're walking behind, checking him out. They stuck close to Jesus waiting for him to do something that they could accuse him of being a sinner of. The Pharisees knew his, popu his popularity was growing at a rapid rate, and they were afraid to leave him unwatched and unchallenged. So when the disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, remember they took the grain and rubbed it between their hands to get the chaff off the grain. When they did this, they, in their hearts, knew that there was nothing wrong with this. In Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 25, God made provisions for people who were hungry, who were poor. He made those provisions. And here in Deuteronomy, He says, when you enter your neighbor's field of grain, you may pluck the heads of grain with your hand, but you must not harvest it with a sickle. Like, don't go take your neighbor's grain for commercial use. You can't gather and go sell it. But if you're hungry, you can go take some of that for the moment and eat it there. It wasn't something to take home. This is a system set up by God. Where the Pharisees were coming from in their argument was, they said, you did it on the Sabbath. You violated the law. See, the real problem here is they were getting to the disciples have violated one of their, their rituals. One of their added 39 rules. This elaborate system of do's and don'ts. But the problem here, man-made rules. Man-made rules. Do you know why there's so many different churches, so many different denominations, so many different beliefs because everyone had something to say at some point in time about how the church should be. What things should be followed and which things should not be followed. What was important to one group was not important to the next. You can go back to the beginnings of early church and see how that became in time the Roman Catholic Church and then the Reformation movement and on and on and on into the Reformation movement in America, and we see all these different groups. They just can't take the Bible and take it at God's face value. But surely He meant this, or surely He meant that. We're told in Scripture, 
that all Scripture is important and it's for teaching and it's profitable. It tells us in Timothy. But yet, man has concerned himself with surely God meant this or surely God meant that. And that's what happened here these thousands of years ago in Jesus' day and it's happening now. So when they made the statement, why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? They had narrowed this thing down to say, there are four things you couldn't do on the Sabbath concerning the grain. You couldn't reap, you could not thresh, you could not winnow, you could not prepare a meal. So technically the disciples were guilty of this. When they plucked the head of grain, they were reaping. They were reaping. And when they rubbed their hands together to separate the grain from the chaff, they were threshing. And when they took that in their hand, well, they had rubbed the grain and held it in their hand, and they went and blew the chaff away. According to the Pharisees, they were winnowing. And all these actions equaled up to preparing food. See how silly? See how ridiculous? This is how far things had gotten out of hand. This legalism, man-made rules, superseded what the message and what the Sabbath was, was supposed to be about. And there's a lot of things that we could talk about this morning concerning how many, the, what were the violations, what were not, but that would take too much time. And it's really pretty ridiculous when you read about all those things. For example, a woman could tie a knot in her girdle, but if they needed water out of the well, a man could not pull it out of the well because he'd have to tie a knot. So the woman would take the rope, put her, tie her girdle around it, and then she'd pull it up. I'm not, not quite sure how that happened, but that's what I read. That's how ridiculous things got. Jesus knew this. He knew the heart of men. So you look at verse 3, we see the response of Jesus. There are two important principles that Jesus is going to respond with. The first is that human need is more important than religious ritual. Human need is more important than religious ritual. Number two, he's going to declare that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. So let's read verse three. Jesus replied, haven't you read in scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests could eat. He also gave some to his companions. And Jesus added, the son of man is Lord even over Lord of the Sabbath. Now here he is speaking to the Pharisees who were professional students of the law. A good side note to this is to understand just because someone has a PhD in theology doesn't make them a student of the word. It means that they're educated in whatever they got their PhD in. That particular philosophy. So these were professional scholars. And they had messed up the law so much that it wasn't even recognizable. And here Jesus said, haven't you read the scripture? Now, this is not a so subtle rebuke. 
to these leaders. They're supposed to know the law inside and out, backwards and forwards, and yet Jesus said, hadn't you read it? Haven't you read the Scripture? Notice he didn't say, haven't you read the law? He said, read the Scripture. Read the Word of God. See, their fame, their, their prestige, their egos are all based on knowing more than everyone else about the law. We have that today, do we not? People that we think who know more about the Bible than anyone else, and yet they're blinded from what the truth really is. Because the Spirit reveals to us the truth. We have to be in tune with the Spirit to get the truth. What the passages say. Have you read it? Now this caught these guys completely off guard because he's referring to an Old Testament incident referring to David. And this, he, what Jesus is talking about, took place in 1 Samuel chapter 21 and verse 6. David was fleeing for his life from Saul. He was on, he was a fugitive. And yet, it was, he was hungry. So in verse 6 of 1 Samuel 21, it says, Since there was no other food available, he had gone to the temple, asked the priest for food. There was no food. And the priest says this, The priest gave him holy bread, the bread of the presence that was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle. It had just been replaced that day with some fresh bread. According to law, the priests were the only ones that could eat this bread. But yet, it was a sacrifice that the priest could only partake of. So Jesus' argument was very simple. David broke the law. And he could have done so. And since I'm the Lord of Sabbath, I can do it some more so. So technically, David did break the letter of the law. But why didn't the Pharisees condemn David for doing something that they considered that was unlawful? Why not David and then condemn the disciples, condemn Christ? And see, the question that Jesus presented pressed them. They had no answer because they were in a bind. If they were to say, that the disciples broke the law, and yet after what Jesus brought to attention, then they'd have to say that David had broken the law. They weren't going to do that. Mark chapter 2, verse 27, on this same story, this is Mark's account. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. This is what Jesus said. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, and not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. Day of worship is for the people. We look at a day of worship as being another day off from work. If we don't have to work that day. For many, it's no different than Saturday. It's just an extended part of the weekend. But yet Jesus said the Sabbath, the day of worship, was made to meet the needs of the people. There's a reason why God is asking, 
asked us and told us that we need to meet together and worship together. It is for our good. He has asked us to do this for our good. It's our time to come before God and worship Him as He deserves to be worshipped. And yet, other things are much more important to us than worshipping God. Like taking a fishing trip or going to a ball game or whatever it may be. And I'm not condemning people for doing something every once in a while, but we get in a habit of this. And we forget why we are to be together on a day of worship, whether it's remotely or here. The pandemic has been, has been a serious obstacle. But I dare say people go to work but won't come to church. Won't come to worship. They'll go shopping but won't come to worship. They'll go to the movie house but won't come to the house of worship. The Sabbath, the day of worship, is for our needs. And this is something that comes out of the mouth of Jesus. This is not out of Eric Middleton's mouth. I want to tell you again, Mark 2, 27. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. It's important. It's important. In Matthew chapter 12, Matthew's account of this In verse 7, excuse me, this is 3 verse 5. And haven't you read the law of Moses that the priest on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you then there is one here even greater than the temple. He's talking about himself. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want to show mercy and not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Going through rituals is not what is important. Coming to worship and opening our hearts and lifting up praise to God is. And that's what God wants out of us. He wants a relationship. He wants us to open and give our hearts to Him and worship Him. What do you think you're going to be doing in heaven? It's all worship. Eternity of worship. That's what we're made to do. Is to worship Him. See, Jesus was pointing out the glaring inconsistencies of the Pharisees. And He was condemning their legalism. He's condemning ritual over mercy. He's condemning rules over grace. But we confuse grace with just doing what I want to do. And it's okay. Grace is extending us mercy when we don't deserve it. But when we set out to abuse grace, Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 6, don't keep on sinning so that you think grace may keep growing. It's a matter of the heart. So well, if I don't go to church, you're condemning me. No, I'm saying... This, you still don't get the point. It's a matter of the heart. I want to worship because Jesus loves me. 
That is the purpose. That is the motivation to come to worship. Well, I can worship God on the lake. You need to study Scripture. If we all want to go to the lake, that's good. We'll worship together on the lake. But he says, there, you are to come together as my people. My people. And take time away from this world and our recreations and all these other things that we think are important and give God a simple short amount of time to say you're the most important thing in my life, you're the most important thing in this universe, and I worship you. We sing, whether we can sing a tune or not, but we sing and we pray and we give Him His due honor and glory for that day. That's what the point of all this is. These people had taken it to the other extreme by making so many different rules that no one, everyone had forgotten why they were supposed to go to worship in the first place. In our, in our time, we have taken grace and abused it so that we don't even recognize where we should be with our hearts with God. Oh, he'll forgive me. I'll just do this anyway. That's not love. That's, that's trying to rationale everything. The Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. This is His day. And then, what He has done here, He has made a direct claim to deity. So this happened on a Sabbath. And then we go further down in chapter 6 and verse 6. We move to another Sabbath day. See, the gospel writers, influenced by the Holy Spirit, saw this was important to record, so they did this. Two Sabbaths. Now, if you walk through what we studied in Luke, and I'll go to the book of Mark. First, what leads up to all this, Jesus had cast out an unclean spirit from a man in a synagogue in Capernaum. And in chapter 2 of Mark, he forgave the sins of a paralytic, a paralyzed man, as we studied earlier, who... His friends had tore through the roof of a house to let him down. And there, these Pharisees had reasoned only God could forgive sins. So Jesus was making a claim to be God. So all this was building up in their hatred toward Jesus. And here in chapter 6 of Luke, there was an attempt to prove Jesus to be a sinner. So what happens next? On the next Sabbath day, on another Sabbath day, verse 6, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. Jesus walks in, all eyes go to him. If he healed the, man, the man's hand, they were planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Notice, they expected Jesus to come to the temple. They expected him to heal the man. And they, the scripture says they were waiting for him to do this. They, were plan, they had planned, they had already got together, and they had planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward. See, there's, there's many scholars who think this man was a plant. 
I think that the Pharisees have found a crippled man, a withered hand, a paralyzed hand, and they brought him to the temple. We don't know if that's fact or not, but since they had planned on accusing Jesus, that very well could have happened. They wanted the man to be healed. Not for the man's sake, but for their sake of argument, so they could accuse him. How twisted is that? They didn't want the man healed for the man's benefit. Matthew records this incident in chapter 12. Then Jesus went over in Matthew 12, verse 9 through 14. Then Jesus went over to the synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand, and the Pharisees asked Jesus, Does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? So he already asked him this, according to Matthew, and they were hoping he would say yes so they could bring charges against him. And he answered, If you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. How much more valuable is a person than sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. It was just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. (laughs) They couldn't accuse him in front of everybody. They had to have another meeting. They asked him when he walked in, is it permissible to heal a person on the Sabbath? Is it lawful? And Jesus answers with a response they had no words for. Verse 9 of Luke 6, Then Jesus said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? It is a day to save life or destroy it. And then he told the man to hold out his hand. And then verse 11, the enemies of Jesus was wild with with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. And in Mark chapter 3, this same account, verse 5, Jesus looked around at them angrily. He looked at these hypocritical, evil people angrily. And he said he was deeply saddened by their heart. Why was he angry? They didn't care about that man. All they cared about was themselves and their egos. That's how Jesus feels about legalism and and hypocrites. Don't impose rules on people that have nothing to do with their salvation. Don't impose rules on people that has nothing to do with their relationship with God. He gets angry about that. You say, well, he's not supposed to get angry. No, angry and sin not. He get mad at the situation, but not at the person. He was saddened by their hearts. They were so hard and so cold. And when he says for us to come together to worship him, we we and we have excuses why not to come. He's saddened. He's saddened that our hearts are the way they are. 
and, and possibly angry that we don't get it. Jesus looks at us and says, you still don't get it. It's about relationship. It's not about just coming to church. It's about relationship. It's about coming together with me and my Father. It's about that. It's not about ritual. He's grieved in his heart when so we don't see it that way. But Jesus healed, healed the man anyway. Because he was concerned about the man more than the hypocrites. See, he told the man to hold out his hand. He didn't say be healed. He just said, hold out your hand. And the healing was done. His command was the enablement. When God tells us something, we need to do it. He tells us to worship. We need to worship. He would never tell us to do something if we weren't able to do it. And when you read a command in Scripture, know that there is power in the very Word of God. There's power in those words because it comes out of the mouth of God. When we began service... Before we began, actually, the passage of Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 was up there. When Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. My yoke is easy, and my load is light. It's simple. Jesus doesn't have a heavy load for us to bear. He just wants us to love Him. And commit our soul to Him. And embrace Him as the Lord and Savior. There's not a bunch of rules to follow. See, Jesus brought relief from legalism. We can't stand it. And it's, it's easier to love than it is to follow a bunch of rules, isn't it? Religion, I've said this before, but this is one of those points I want to let you take home with you. Religion operates on the principle, if I obey, then I'm accepted by God. But the gospel says, I'm accepted by God through the work of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I obey. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. It's not about religion, it's about relationship. And if you found yourself caught up into that mentality, it's time to release it. I come because I want to worship my God with His people. Let's pray. Father, help us get the point that You're trying to make to us. That You want a relationship with us. That You want us to experience Your love and your compassion and your mercy toward us. Help us, Father. Help us as a church to realize worship, the day of worship, the time of worship is, where, is your time and we respect you and honor you by coming to worship you together as your body. Father, we have a problem in our society that we don't want to be committed or want to 
do anything that we don't want to do. Father, help us have the want to, to want to be here, to want to worship you, to want to share with you and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with all those who know. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.